Today I want to review a little bit the Sicha. This is in volume 18, and this is the third Sicha in the Parsha's Chukas. Today's portion, Torah T, is the portion of Chukas. But it's also the time of the year that we're in between. Um, and as we had spoken in the past, that the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, the Rebbe of Yosef Yitzchak, uh, he was arrested uh, in 1927 uh, in communist Russia. And, uh, of course, uh, Jewish people generally, but especially the Hasidim, especially the Rebbe, were persecuted. And um, the Rebbe um, was arrested and then on the third day of Tammuz, it was um, um, he was freed from prison, and then he was supposed to report for three years in Kastrama. That was a city of exile. He was supposed to go there. Eventually, ten days later, on Yud Beis Tammuz, Yud Gimel Tammuz, uh, he was totally freed. He can go back home. Um, so today is between Gimel Tammuz and Yud Beis Tammuz. Between uh, and also, um, of course, we know uh, Gimel Tamus. We just had uh, 25 years of the Yorzeit of the Rebbe, and um, it's interesting that in this particular sicha, the Rebbe shows that true Jewish leaders leave behind even after uh, their physical uh, passing from this world. Uh, and yet, they make sure, not only on a spiritual level, because there is a, like for example, there is a statement of our sages that just as the r- rabbi was uh, standing and serving Hashem in this world, he, sends, he stands and he serves Hashem in the upper world, but that's a spiritual kind of standing. But the Rebbe brings from this parsha, from the parsha of Chukas, to show the Moshe Rabbeinu, who was, of course, the first uh, and the main Jewish leader, in every generation we have his pastus of the Moshe, we have an extension from Moshe Rabbeinu. So though Moshe Rabbeinu will see, as the Rebbe points from the Sikha, the Moshe Rabbeinu took care that even after his passing, uh, the Jewish people physically had everything that they needed so that they wouldn't be needing uh, the Rebbe points to, um, as we'll see in this week's parsha, that um, uh, certain necessities that the people need, uh, Hashem gave it to them through these. Uh, these leaders made sure that all the necessities, what the Jewish people need, will be there for them even after they passed away. Uh, the Rebbe comes up with a very interesting novelty. And you know, every time when you come up with a novelty, with some a new idea, uh, you have to sort of reconcile the various different places where, uh, where it's mentioned to make sure that it's all, all everything fits. Uh, the Rebbe's novel idea over here is, he says, we, it's known that there were seven clouds that went along with the Jewish people uh, when they journeyed in the desert. It was one on the bottom, one on the top, and there were four on the sides, plus there is one 
that went ahead of them. Normally we refer to them as Anani HaKovid, uh, clouds of glory. That would be the, uh, we refer to that. But the Rebbe, interestingly enough, says when you pay close attention, you see sometimes we call them just plain clouds, and sometimes we call them clouds of glory. Is there a difference, or what does it really mean? And the Rebbe actually makes a distinction. Uh, and, the Rebbe, and the Rebbe says there were some of the clouds were used for necessities, and there are some of the clouds that were used only for glory. That was sort of a re, to show the honor for the and then, and then the Rebbe explains and shows you in the various different places. Sometimes it says glory, sometimes it doesn't say glory, and this all fits in with the Rebbe's explanation. The Rebbe challenges it and try to figure out because sometimes it says it seems that this rule that the Rebbe placed does not hold. But anyway, after everything's said and done, the Rebbe points to the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu kept those clouds that were not only for glory, but the clouds that were for necessities, Moshe Rabbeinu kept because those were necessities. And the leader makes sure that all the necessities are taken care of. But before we do that, I just want to read to you a little bit. This is from the uh, Talmud, and which is connected to the Parsha, because, of course, you read that Miriam passes away. And then it says there was no more water for, uh, for the Jewish people to, to, uh, to drink. And Rashi associates it, and this is from the Gemara, Rashi associates this with the death of Miriam, because we find it says that the reason they had uh, the water, whose uh, zechus, whose merit, whose uh, holiness, whose righteousness was the one that break, brought them the well of water. And the Rebbe explains elsewhere why is the well specifically connected to Miriam, and the clouds are connected to Aaron, the mana is connected to Moshe Rabbeinu. That's another discussion, but uh, the it's clear evidence that the uh, water had to do uh, the well that went along with them, that they drank from during their journey in the desert, that had to do with the privilege, with the zechus, with the merit of Miriam. And that's why as soon as Miriam passes away, so I guess her zechus is no longer there, and then there's no more water. But it comes back in the zechus of Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is still the leader, and in his zechus he's still going to bring this back. So over here the Gemara says that the Jewish people basically had uh, three good uh, caretakers that took care of them. Who are they? Moshe, Aaron, and Miriam. They were sort of the caretakers Besides that, caretakers, as we know, Miriam helped when, when they were born. And of course, Moshe and Aaron led them, with the, took them out of Egypt and led them in the desert. So these were three basically great caretakers uh, that the Jewish people had. And Hashem gave three good gifts through these good three caretakers. What are the three gifts? The well, that means the water that they had uh, which and, and the cloud that surrounded them and the mana, the uh, the mana.
Shuvah. And the, the Gemara articulates, the well came in the merit of Miriam. The cloud came in the merit of Aaron. And the manna, the manna that fed them, the, that they ate, came in the merit of Moshe. How do we see this? Because you see it very clearly. Uh, so what happens? Then Miriam dies. So Miriam dies. So now there is no more water. The well leaves them. Because the Pasuk says in our parsha, but Thomas shot Miriam. Miriam dies there. What is this follows the story as soon as it says Miriam dies? It says, Now there's no more water for the community to drink. But it's not like the Jewish people were left without water. It goes back in the merit of Aaron and Moshe, who remained. The water came back in their merit, which means originally it came in the merit of Miriam, but we don't anymore have the merit of Miriam. The merit of Aaron and uh, Moshe was sufficient to bring it back. But now, after Aaron passes away, so over there we see that then the clouds of glory left them. That means, again, how do we see the clouds of glory left them when Aaron dies? Because the Pasuk says, as soon as Aaron dies, the Pasuk says, the Kanani, which was really the Amaleki, according to Rashi, the king of Arad, uh, so he, um, uh, he started a war. What did he, uh, why did he start the war? The reason he started the war, because he heard that Aaron died. And there is no longer the Ananiah covered. And therefore, uh, and therefore, uh, he thought that he's able to wage war against the Jewish people. So, basically, uh, we see a direct association. As soon as Aaron dies, there is no more clouds of glory. Um, so now, and the Gemara continues to say, that's what it also say, all the people saw... So the word saw means vayiru, but vayiru can also mean they were afraid. Because the, uh, they were afraid because uh, the clouds of glory is no longer with them. That's what the Gemara says. And then uh, the Gemara says they all came back because of Moshe Rabbeinu. So now Aaron and Miriam are gone. So now the cloud came back as well. And just Moshe Rabbeinu. So Moshe, in other words, it almost seems like that once Aaron dies, uh, then there's no more two chus for the bear. But now everything is back in this chus of Moshe. And then it says, after Moshe passes away, they all were gone. All of these uh, special privileges were gone. And the Gemara brings a posik that it seems like they were all gone at the same time, basically meaning. All the privileges that they provided were all gone at that point. Yeah, go ahead. If the wells came back, why yeah. did God instruct Moshe to get water from the rock? Yeah, but that, that was that no. That it mean it came back. That is how it came back. Oh. But, but who's who's? Uh, yeah, but God said the water came back. But whose chus was it? Whose merit was it that it came back? So it came back because of 
in this case it was Aaron and Moshe, and in this case it was... Uh, now, the Rebbe's issue over here is, uh, what the Rebbe is discussing is, um, that we find actually that the Jewish people made a big to-do once there was no water. So you say that it came to Moshe Rabbeinu, and there, uh, there was no water over there. So how come we don't find that there was an issue when the clouds of glory left when uh, Aaron passed away? Why was, there, why was there no issue? So the Rebbe has a whole discussion over here. I mean, this is... Uh, uh, a lengthy discussion uh, to exactly to figure out maybe maybe, I mean this is the Rebbe is trying to figure out the water we see clearly came back, that we see clearly the Pasuk says they complained, they, they came back and later on in many verses is it possible to say that um, uh, that the clouds did not come back, and maybe the reason, uh, maybe there's a reason why the clouds didn't come back, not because Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't bring them back, didn't have the privilege to bring them back, but maybe uh, they didn't need any more of the clouds, because water they needed, they were still in the desert, and they were still there, they needed the water there all the time. Uh, but uh, maybe what 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 did the clouds do? What did the, basically? What did the clouds do? Yeah. Some of them gave cover from the sun, so the Jews wouldn't burn. Excellent, excellent. So number one, as you say, so they they shouldn't be hit by the sun and by the wind. So that's that's a protection. That's number one. Number two, uh, Rashi actually says that the clouds would wash and iron their clothes that was on them. See, the Pesach says, Simloscha leibos. Can you imagine? Took away all the jobs. You didn't have to iron. You didn't have to wash. You didn't have to do anything. The clouds did it for you. I mean, they, they, I know they have all the automated things. I don't know. Do they have automated ironing for you? I don't know. I mean, they give you the permanent press, so you don't have to iron it. But is there a machine that will iron for you as well? Yeah, okay. Cleaners, automated cleaners and everything. Takes out the clothes, presses it, and hangs it up on the curtain. But anyways. Somewhere they have to. Over here, uh, over here, one of the other purposes of the clouds was that it would um, it would wash their clothes, it would press, it would iron their clothes, uh, and that so that was another thing that it did. And a third thing that it did for them, it actually led the way. We learn in the Torah that it went ahead of them to show the way. So that was a third thing. And the fourth thing, we actually learn that it actually served, it sort of flattened out all the elevated uh, areas, so the Jews had to travel in the desert. But I guess notwithstanding, there were still mountainous areas, there were still hills, there were valleys, it was, would be difficult to walk. So it says that the cloud went ahead of them, and it straightened it out. It would lower the higher areas, it would pick up the lower areas, and also it says it would kill the snakes, the scorpions that were in the, in the desert. Uh, so one can argue uh, that after Aaron died, 
they didn't have any more a need for all these things because uh, because they already were at the edge. They were next to the land of Edom. They were already done with the desert, basically, at the end of the Midbar. Uh, and this was uh, very close to settled areas. See, when Miriam died, they still needed the water because that was, they were still traveling. This was later on, so they uh, close to settled areas, so it's understood that this is a place when they're close to the area, uh, they're not anymore beaten down by the sun and the heat like they were in the desert because that was desert. On top of that, the Rebbe also says that uh, usually um, uh, when it comes already, he died, as it says in the Pesach, he passed away, Aaron was already the fifth of all, it was the end of the summer. And the end of the summer already, it cools down a little bit. It's not as hot as the strong summer. Even though Rashi in other places says that the end of the summer is very hot, but that's only hot because the whole atmosphere heated up during the summer, so it's still very hot in there. But being that they were protected through the, out the clouds, so it didn't heat up for them that much. So maybe, maybe they didn't need any more the clouds for that purpose. And... Uh, uh, so, so that's one thing that maybe they didn't need. The other thing, uh, the fact that they were uh, next to a settled place, so they could have bought clothes over there. Uh, they didn't need to, to iron I mean, while they were in the desert. Uh, how are they gonna? What are they gonna wear? I mean, I guess they didn't have so much other clothes or whatever. So, over there was necessary. But once they come to settled place. They'll do what everybody else does, you know. They'll get an extra pair of clothing and they'll change. So that wasn't also necessary. Uh, um, now, the way, to lead them the way, also we can say wasn't necessary because they were ready. Now there were roads over there. In the desert, you don't know where to go. There's no outline. There's no path over there. So they needed the cloud to show them the way. But now that they were already in a uh, settled, maybe they didn't need, need that. And, of course, the other thing is that they used to kill the snakes and the scorpions. Uh, there's no more snakes and scorpions. They're not in the desert anymore. So basically, the Rebbe says that um, maybe it wasn't necessary for them. Maybe the reason why they didn't come back, maybe why they didn't, why they didn't complain was because it wasn't really so necessary and they managed without them. That was, you know, they were okay without them. Um, and also, the Rebbe also says that you know the the, the fact that the mountains that were left for for uh, that that was all taken care of before. But so again, again, so just to sum it up, so what the Rebbe basically is suggesting, I mean, so the Rebbe's question was, how come we don't find that the Jews were complaining about not having the clouds? And the answer that he says is, maybe they didn't need the clouds anymore. But the Rebbe doesn't buy into that, and because the Rebbe says, you know, they still needed, they need the cloud to show them the way, even though they weren't in the desert. First of all, the Jews went back to the desert, and it's it's brought down in many places that uh, they uh, the clouds were there. Especially we know that the clouds also provided a shield for the Yidden from all the we we learned about when they would throw 
the arrows, the, sh- the, the cloud was, pushed, uh, was a protection for them. So, uh, and that is why after Aaron dies right away, we said from the Gemara, we brought down before, that's why the Kanani comes to uh, fight with them. Uh, so, Rebbe says they needed it. So, the bottom line, so the Rebbe comes up with a uh, with, with the answer, what the Rebbe wants to suggest, he says there were two separate types of cloud. That it's actually true. Um, some clouds came back, did come back, but when Rashi says that the clouds of glory, so there were two types of cloud that 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 were used for, for the, the that served the Jews. Now, sometimes there is a cloud which their main function is to protect them or to lead them. They need it. Those are necessary clouds. Now, those clouds are mainly, primarily there to protect them. Yes, they bring them covered also. They bring them honor because to have clouds protect you is honorable. But there were some clouds there were some clouds that um, are only meant there, just to meant there for, for covered. Only meant for covered. Interesting, you know, we sit in the sukkah. Why do we sit in the sukkah? One of the reasons we sit in the sukkah to remind us of the clouds that the Jews went in the desert that protected them. That's why we have the sukkah, like the shield protects us. But the question is, the clouds we just said, there were seven clouds over there. Six around them, on top of bottom, and what? How come a sukkah technically only needs two and a half walls? There's nothing, nothing there to remind us of the cloud that went ahead of them. How come there's only, uh, why don't we require more clouds? So the Rebbe says that the clouds, the, the, the sukkah is a remembrance to the extra clouds, to the clouds of honor. Those are the two and a half walls because the rest of them he doesn't specify how specifically, but it just says that we're making a commemorating when we build the sukkah, that's for the clouds of glory that they had, but not for the clouds that were necessary. So, the Rebbe goes through various different places where it says the various different languages, and he shows that whenever it talks about all the clouds, it would say clouds of glory. But when Rashi talks about specifically about some protection, if you look in the Rashi, he'll say just clouds, not clouds of glory. So that's how the Rebbe builds his distinction from clouds of glory and clouds of... uh, But here's what the Rebbe's point is, that Moshe Rabbeinu didn't have to bring back the clouds of glory because they were in the Zuchus of Aaron. But Moshe Rabbeinu did bring back those clouds that were necessary for protection. Because being that he was a leader, uh, and a leader takes care of his, uh, his people, so he had to make sure that they had the protection even later on. So, uh, so the Rebbe brings this down to say that um, true leaders, uh, no matter what, they make sure that the people are protected. And the Rebbe brings this down with regards to the previous Rebbe, as I mentioned earlier, that 
we see today that there is a renaissance and we see that a lot of people started being involved more in, 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 in Yiddishkeit, especially in Russia. He says three generations, but that all was based on the uh, great uh, sacrifice and the mysterious nefesh that the, um, that the Rebbe had. Um, he, uh, he made sure he made sure that even after his passing um, there would still be um, uh, there would still be the um, the uh, Yiddishkeit that it will still be and once it's been for one, two, three generations that it means it's gonna be a lasting a lasting and you know a lot of people ask a very similar question you know with regards to the Rebbe and um, um, we know that in the Chabad history, uh, there's never been a period in where there was no uh, no Rebbe. Uh, there was never been a, uh, a period like this when there was no Rebbe. When I say no Rebbe, I mean to say the no physical Rebbe over here. But then you think about it, you know, with today's, uh, we ha- we have to say the Rebbe brings down. That loyazif tzeimarisam, that true leaders never neglect. As we say, as Moshe Rabbeinu, he took care that their needs are met. He took care, even though he passed away. But he took care, as Rebbe says in this sicha, that even after his passing, that the children, that his followers, that Klal Yisrael should be uh, taken care of. So we have to say since we don't have a physical leader, which is different than by all the other Rebbes in which after they passed away, they left a physical leader. So we must say that the Rebbe continues to lead us in, also in our physical life over here. But what I'm saying is it's amazing that with the new technology today uh, and the uh, amount of... Uh, video footages and the amount of new technology that we have today, I mean, it would be unheard of. Uh, we could never remember the Rebbe if we didn't have all the uh, new age uh, technology that we have today, like we see all the videos, you see all the davenings, you see all the Rebbe. I mean, everything is vividly, you know, across the screen and you can actually see so many, so many things, and it's like um, tremendously, tremendously inspiring. And you know, and the and, and 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 the pictures and the the dollars that the Rebbe gives out, and the attention how the Rebbe gives to everybody. Those are all things that were captured and still alive today. We can actually physically see it. It's hard to it's hard to imagine if we didn't have these kind that the Rebbe would still be to us as real when we have these things. And, uh, and, and, and the most, you know, the amazing thing is that gives us, I mean, we, uh, you know, they say a picture is worth a thousand words. So when you can actually see and you can actually, and um, so seeing the Rebbe and seeing the Rebbe in the different situations and, 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 and one of the, um, 
I think one of the unique things of the Rebbe was also that you see in a lot of the videos and a lot of the stories they tell about was the Rebbe's sensitivity and uh, the Rebbe's uh, sort of his um, how much he made sure not to uh, hurt anyone's feelings or not anybody should misconstrue he was very careful you know sometimes we should learn he was was, uh, went through to the extreme you know when the Rebbe would daven the Rebbe would daven he'd always hold you know his hand he would hold his hands over his over his eyes like that that was you know the Shema Yisrael you cover your eyes why? so you can concentrate I guess the Rebbe would face he would sit there was a small room over there that's the place where he Mencha Marv so when he would sit by the table, he would be facing the crowd. So not to be distracted by the crowd, the Rebbe would always have his hands over, not covering his eyes, but over so not to be distracted, you know, concentrate on his davening. The Rebbe would point every, never looked out of the sitter, always, you know, uh, like this. And one time, one time they noticed that the Rebbe for like a week or something didn't, didn't put his hands over his head, and it was didn't put his hand over his head, and it was everybody was surprised. Why? What's going on? You know, just recently, about uh, maybe a year or two ago, the fellow passed away. We came to the Rebbe. Uh, unfortunately, I mean, my son-in-law told the story. Rabbi Minkowitz told the story. I mean, he knows the story firsthand. It was an un- unfortunate incident where this fellow lived through a terrible accident in in, in, in in the factory. It was a terrible fire. His totally face and body became deformed, like terribly. I mean, I've seen him around. It was, you know, uh, terribly deformed. And, uh, and he was sitting, and he came. And he was there by Mincha those, that week at the Rebbe. The Rebbe did not want anybody to have any idea that he's putting his hands, sheltering his face so not to look at that fellow so the Rebbe took away his hand for that time just, you know, it was very difficult to look at him, I can tell you because I I, I saw him many, many times you know, it was very, very difficult but the Rebbe did not hold his hands over his eyes just so as not to look as if he's not trying to look at that, at that person over there. And for that time, the Rebbe didn't do that. And, and the Rebbe's sensitivity in that way was, was beyond, was beyond, you know. And, and it was done with, uh, you know, with utter simplicity. In other words, he didn't make such a big to-do about it. You know, everything that the Rebbe that the Rebbe did was done in a, uh, you know, they say that, you know, it's, it's something in the Gomorrah. The Gomorrah says that a man should not walk in between two women. That's his prodan in the Gomorrah. And, you know, the Rebbe would give out coins and there was sometimes, you know, we were a couple of uh, girls were standing over there and, uh, and the Rebbe in his own way uh, not wanting, so the Rebbe handed her some money to give to tzedakah, so she ended up moving to the size that the Rebbe can go through 
Rebbe wouldn't tell anybody to move aside, you know. <laughs> he would just did it in a way of making sure not to offend or not to insult, you know, and still do what it needs to be done. And um, and that and that's something that uh, I'm saying that when the Rebbe left us, and again, you know, I'm, the reason I'm, I'm saying all this is because it's kind of hard to imagine uh, it, that we would be able to uh, sort of still live with the inspiration of the Rebbe if we didn't have all the all the videos and all the recordings and all the okay the printed stuff they had before also they had the teaching the Torah but it's it's on a totally different level but you see this is exactly Hashem's plan but Hashem left it this way I mean this is all in the hands of Hashem and Hashem left it this way so the Moshe Rabbeinu just like Moshe Rabbeinu over there he brings back and he makes sure that the things that we need to keep up our struggle to the uh, coming of Mashiach and uh, he, he gives it to us but it's all like in the Parsha of Chukas which means as Rashi says in the beginning we don't really know a reason for some of these laws. And sometimes it's difficult because when you don't know the reason, uh, some people like will tell you, hey, you don't know the reason. Why are you doing what you're doing if it doesn't make sense? Uh, and there is sort of a, um, you know, forces within you or outside you tell you, hey, why are you doing this? You know, if you don't know you don't understand the reason or it doesn't make sense. Uh, sometimes there is contradiction, sometimes there is conflict. And uh, the answer is, Hashem says, Zot Chukata Torah. This is the statute. What does it mean? Hashem basically says, look, some mitzvahs that I tell you to do, I want you to make sense of them. But some mitzvahs I want you to do is specifically that you only do it because I told you to do it. So you don't have to make sense of them. That's why the Torah, why does the Torah just announce and says, This is the law of the Torah. To tell you that there are some mitzvahs in the Torah which don't have a reason. So, but you should know, they don't have a reason. I am the one that is commanding them, and I don't give a reason. And no, though, these are chukas Torah. I think certain things in our lives that happen, like we can't make sense of them. Hashem saying to us, this is my decree. This is chukas Torah. This is not something that you need to question, that you need to sort of uh, bring you down. Because those chukas HaTorah, Hashem is saying to you, basically, there are some mitzvahs, there's some stories in life that we can't explain, that we don't have the explanation. But just because, know that there is some not explanatory things. And if you know that things, then you, then you will be able to take it easier because then you'll know that not everything makes sense. So our lives are full with contradictions sometimes and full with uh, questions and full with things that we don't understand 
that we can't make sense of. But the Torah says, Zos Torah. And it gives us the strength. It gives us the strength. You know, the Shem sends us tzaddikim in every generation to lead us, to help us, to uh, make sure that we will be able to overcome all of our challenges and, uh, and march forward. And um, in the meantime, uh, you know, we have to do what we have to do, you know, do the best we can. And pray to Hashem that He sends us blessings and He sends us open miracles and brings us Mashiach because it's been uh, way too long. We don't have the answer for that either, why, he's, why it's taking so long. But uh, it should happen. And um, one thing for sure, he's coming. Question is, that's not a question. That's for sure. Question is, how do we get him to come here sooner? Uh, not another, but uh, he's coming, and he'll take us out of exile and bring us Mashiach, and uh, we'll be together with all the tzaddikim. Uh, the Rebbe, Moshe Rabbeinu, yeah, go ahead.